0: You're listening to The Right Process, a podcast in which one writer tells the story of crafting one work from concept to completion. I'm your host, Charlie Jensen.
1: Hi, my name is Iris Yamashita, and I wrote a book called City Under One Roof.
0: Iris Yamashita is an Academy Award-nominated screenwriter for the movie's Letters from Iwo Jima. She's been working in Hollywood for 15 years and continues to develop for both film and streaming media. She has taught screenwriting at UCLA and is an advocate of women and diversity in the entertainment industry. City Under One Roof is her debut novel. She currently lives in California. In City Under One Roof, a stranded detective tries to solve a murder in a tiny Alaskan town where everyone lives in a single high-rise building. When a local teenager discovers a severed hand and foot washed up on the shore of the small town of Point Meteor, Alaska, Kara Kennedy is on the case. A detective from Anchorage, she has her own motives for investigating the possible murder in this isolated place, which can be accessed only by a tunnel. After a blizzard causes the tunnel to close indefinitely, Kara is stuck among the odd and suspicious residents of the town all 205 of whom live in the same high-rise building and are as icy as the weather. Kara teams up with Point Meteor police officer Joe Barkowski, but before long the investigation is upended by fearsome gang members from a nearby native village. Haunted by her past, Kara soon discovers that everyone in this town has something to hide. Will she be able to unravel their secrets before she herself unravels?
1: I got the idea for this book when I started thinking of a TV pilot idea. Coming from the film and television world, I knew I had to get some TV pilot samples out there. I was thinking of ideas, and I just remember seeing this documentary, and it must have been over 20 years ago, about a town in Alaska that was very isolated. At that time, the only way in was by train. Everyone in this town lived in this one building. And I thought, oh, that's a really great setting. So it had always stuck in my mind, this idea of this town. And I also had just seen Jane Campion's Top of the Lake. And I thought, oh, I want to do something like that. So I had this great setting and an idea to write a murder mystery. And I started doing some research on this town now I found out you can actually travel there by car by driving through this very long, narrow, one-way tunnel. I found some video footage of driving through this tunnel, and it's it's like going through this mine shaft, and it was very, very mesmerizing. I kind of thought like I was falling down a hole, like a well, and I just thought, oh, wow, this is the rabbit hole that takes you to Wonderland. And on the other side of the tunnel, it has to be filled with these odd Wonderland-like characters. And that's what really kicked off the ideas for me. The book actually is filled with Wonderland references. But even after I tell people, almost nobody gets them, which is fine. I just think it's a fun process. So it it was very fun for me to write this book. I started working on the TV pilot way back, like in 2014. And I think I wrote the pilot pretty quickly, like in a couple of months. And then I just hung on to it for a while. You know, you go on these general meetings to meet producers when you're a writer in Hollywood. And I just kind of passed the idea to this producer that I was having a general meeting with when they asked, you know, what are you working on? And so I told him the idea of this TV pilot. And he really just latched onto it and loved it and wanted to take it out, meaning we we were going to try and sell it as a team. These days, you know, when you try to sell something to buyers, you a lot of times have to package, meaning you have to attach a director or an actress or somebody, you know, with value and go in with that. We kept working on my pitch and trying to package. So it was probably, I think we didn't go out till 2018. So it was a really long process. And in that time, while we were trying to package, of course, I was also working out the seasons, like the whole series, and do we want to go to a season two? And so I was working out a second season. When we finally went out with it, unfortunately, we weren't able to sell it. But I had spent so much time with this story that I felt like, oh, it would be a waste to just let it go. So I started thinking of the book idea. I really loved The Girl on the Train, reading that book, and other books that were structured that way where you had a different voice for each chapter. I picked three characters of my story, and I wanted to follow them as voices. I have, of course, the protagonist, who is a detective, Kara Kennedy, who is investigating the murder. My second voice is a teenager, Amy Lin, and she works at the Chinese restaurant in town with her mother. And she's also the one who finds the body parts on the cove. And then the third voice is Lonnie Mercer whom I call Moose Lady Lonnie, because she has a pet moose. She's kind of the Mad Hatter in the town, because she has this pet moose. And she also has this mental disorder where she talks in word salads. And she also wears a different colored beret every day. That's the Mad Hatter. But since I was still very busy working in Hollywood and teaching, I only had like maybe 40 pages or so of my book written but i was being very i guess overly optimistic and i just started querying agents at that point what i just did was i just went through the guide to literary agents and looked for agents who represented material that sounded similar to mine i started a spreadsheet where i thought like oh i'm sure i'm going to have to go through many agents and get many rejections before anything happens initially i just went out to 3 people with just these 40 pages that I had written. And out of those three, one got back to me. She is actually now my agent. (laughs) She said, where's the rest of the novel? And I said, I don't have any (laughs) more. And She said, oh, dear, that's not the way it's done. I really can't represent you unless you finish the book. So at that point, I stopped querying. And I put the book aside because I was still, again, working in Hollywood and I was teaching sometimes. And so I didn't really have a lot of time to work on this, what I considered a side project. But this wonderful agent, whose name is Lucy Carson, just kept checking back with me every so often to ask, have you finished the novel? How's the novel going? She said that the characters resonated with her. So that really encouraged me. And then in 2020, we're in the middle of COVID. And she called up and she said, you know, these are crazy times. Maybe we can try to sell a partial. And I've never done that before, but let's try it. By that time, I had about 30,000 words. She gave what I had to an editor at Penguin Random House, Danielle Perez. I wrote a synopsis of what the rest of the book was going to be like. And I also told the book editor that I had come up with a season two for the television show miraculously, I got a two book deal. And that, I mean, of course, that lit a fire under my feet to actually finish, you know, now with a contract, then there was a deadline. And I was able to turn in the rest of the draft of the first draft in March of 2021. Like I really worked on the, the second half of the book very quickly, in, in my opinion, I guess. The book contract was definitely great. But since you're paid in steps, then you're not always in control of when you're going to get paid and the timing. And so I definitely had to keep up all my other jobs that I was working on. I always start with a chapter by chapter outline, whether it's scripts or books. It's important because you wanna have somewhere to go and you don't wanna get stuck in this writer's block hell of not knowing where to go next. So I think outlining is very important. Of course, your outline is gonna change while you're writing. Sometimes it's a drastic change, but usually you have your guideposts and that really helps you out. When I was originally outlining the television series, I, or at least when I wrote the pilot, I did not know what the ending was. But definitely outlining it for the pitch, I had come up with an ending, which I used in the book. But sort of the details of that ending changed a lot from what I had originally imagined in the television version, as opposed to the book version. So there were a lot of things that did change between the television idea and book idea the killer was always known but sort of the, the little minute details which lead us to book two changed quite drastically then i usually do a vomit draft which is kind of a train of thought draft and i don't even use complete sentences sometimes i'm not trying to edit myself i can put placeholders like describe room here and it's just still kind of like outlining at this stage. You're just putting in as much dialogue and descriptions that spark you, but you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything. And I love the stage because it's just free writing. So it's not anything that you would let anyone see per se, but it's letting loose your freedom and your creativity. And there are times Just when, you know, I've written like vomit stuff that I wrote pages and pages of that you later just toss. That's also important, I think, is to just know that nothing is precious. You can work on something for, you know, pages or days, and then later it's just not working. And then you just have to throw it out. You can kind of tell when something is interesting based on how much you want to write it. (laughs) So if you come to a section where you think it's kind of boring to write this, it's probably kind of boring to read. And when you're excited about writing something, then you know that, okay, that this might be working. And that's kind of figured out during the vomit stage. Then after that, I go through and edit it and make it like complete sentences. I then also went back and separated character by character because I have three characters and sometimes I found my voice wasn't consistent. So I put one character's chapters together and went through and made sure that I edited so that it sounded like it was the same character with their voice being consistent. Most of the time I wrote in marathon bursts, it's kind of like you have to juggle four or five projects at any time when you're working in Hollywood. So you just have to focus on something one at a time, hopefully, when you have an opening. During my marathon bursts of getting the first draft of book one in, I set up goals of what I wanted to accomplish each week. At first, I was trying to do daily word counts, and I put that in a list, and Apple has an app called Reminders, so I just kind of wrote out reminders, you know, to say I was going to finish this on this day. At first I made it daily, like a daily word count thing, but I found that wasn't very good because you have meetings, you have things to take care of, and you don't always meet your daily goal, which is kind of disappointing. So I switched over to weekly goals. Of course, that depended on which draft I was working on, whether it was the vomit draft, which can go a lot faster versus the editing draft where you're going a lot slower. And then your later edits, which again can go a lot faster. My goals change each time. But the important thing I thought was to set a goal that was realistic. Don't try to say I'm going to write a thousand words a day. I think if you have goals that you know you can accomplish and then you overachieve, it gives you a much better feeling mentally and it keeps you going. At the end, you'll feel good about checking that off the list. I went through the whole draft again and started honing my word choices and making everything sound pretty so it could be presentable to my agent and my editor. And I also simultaneously sent it to a few trusted people to give full reads and to someone who lived in Alaska. So I had some authenticity on what I had written. So I have a writer's group, and we try to Zoom meet once every two weeks or so. Everyone brings in 10 pages to share. We started out as a screenwriting group, but now at least half of us have switched over to writing novels, interestingly. And this stage is very helpful to get some initial feedback on your work. I got everybody's notes together, and I reworked it, and there were three more rounds of edits with my book editor before it went to the copy editor. And then that's the last set of edits. After that, from what I hear, you are pretty much set in stone. So the first set of notes was very long. And then the second set of notes was not as long. It's maybe about half or less addressing any pending things or things that weren't caught the first time around. The third set of notes was mostly about legal issues because my story is inspired by a real place and we wanted to make sure I didn't have any people that could be considered real people. For instance, they looked at teachers because I do have a character that is a teacher and I changed the color of her hair because there was a teacher who had the same color hair there. So there were a lot of very minute details that needed to be changed and anything that is a song like a nursery rhyme that has to be checked I had quite a number of bits of nursery rhymes and they had to check that everything was not copyrighted and there was one song that I actually had to change because it was copyrighted in terms of notes I think you know the big sort of story notes are something I'm used to I don't have too much of a problem with addressing notes. Sometimes if they're big picture notes, that's really always difficult. And it depends on who's giving you the notes. If they're good producers in television and film, they will consolidate all of their notes into one so that you're not confused and you will be able to address those and not have to worry too much. But if they're not good producers, sometimes you get Notes from the producer, you get notes from the studio, you get notes from the director, and they're sometimes conflicting notes. And then that's always hard. That's not a good situation, of course. With the book editing, I found I was working with one person. I currently have a new book editor, Tracy Bernstein, and she is wonderful and she's giving me these fantastic notes. So that made it actually easier because, again, it was one person's notes so you're not going to get a lot of conflicting notes from different opinions or different points of view In that sense it was a little bit easier but of course you have so many more pages so you have a ton more notes and that was a little daunting at first but again i like to be able to check things off so i would just check easy notes i would do those first because would be really quick and then the harder notes Obviously, you spend a little more time on, again, you can go back and forth with your editor and ask them questions just to be sure about what they're asking. That's a given in whether it's in film or in books. You always want to be sure that you are clear about the notes. Don't ever be afraid to ask what they meant if you're not sure what they meant. And sometimes you discuss it with your editor and they might change their minds after you discuss with them about a specific note and say, oh, okay, no, that's fine. I would also pass it by my agent to see what she thought. And then if it was, you know, both the agent and the editor saying something, then I know, okay, I better deal with this. One of the differences between writing for screenplays and writing prose is that with screenplays, obviously, I don't want to go into too much detail, especially describing characters, because you don't know who's going to get cast, so you're not going to talk about somebody's mole on their face or what have you. I realized that I hadn't described some of the major characters In the book and it wasn't until we were coming up with a book cover that both myself and my editor realized that i had never described the protagonist or her features so i had to go back in and write that somewhere because it hadn't even entered my mind and the same there was another major character also that i had never described that i had to go back in and actually describe another difference with television is that you can leave a cliffhanger at the end of a season and then just pick up in the next season. And that I told is a no-no in books in that you have to be able to pick up book two and not have read book one and still be engaged. So that was a difficult process for me because then I had to figure out how to recap and doing a couple chapters of recaps. I realized that that was pretty boring and I still haven't figured out that aspect yet of how to make the recap interesting and maybe spreading it out more. And also I realized while I was outlining book two to make sure I didn't write myself in a hole in book one. For instance, if I had a new idea of what I was going to do with book two, I had to make sure that it would work with what I had already written in book one. So that is also a challenge, which, you know, I'm sure would have been a challenge for a television series as well. So that for me, though, was a new experience because I hadn't done either before. Another challenge is the logistics, like thinking of logistics all the time in mystery is difficult, because a lot of the notes that I would get from my editor was to make sure the logic worked. And sometimes I realized that I was writing myself again into a hole that I had to make sure I could get out of. I find that I really enjoy writing prose more. And the reason is because the amount of freedom you get is really liberating. You don't have to work off of someone else's IP, which is usually the case in film and television. Film and television, you are basically a writer for hire, and there are a gazillion steps, so the chances of getting your work made is very slim. There are so many moving parts and steps where things can go wrong, whether it's losing funding or losing the rights to something or timing. For instance, when we were pitching to television, we have too many female detective stories, And that would kill the pitch. And you're not going to hear that in books. So that is really liberating. Also, if you're a writer for hire, you can get fired at any time, of course. Whereas in novels, you are never going to fire yourself. There are no budgetary restrictions in terms of how big or small the story is that you want to write. And there's also more of a freedom in terms of structure, Whereas you can write like I did in three different voices, or you can write in just one straight omniscient view. You can write from an eye point of view. Whereas in television and film, you also have very specified act structures. For film, most of the time, it's a three-act structure. But in television, it's all over the place. You can have four-act structure, six-act structure, nine-act structure. There's, but you have to adhere to whatever the structure is that they require final thought is to let the work breathe between your edits because you can always see things better after some time has passed so don't try to immediately go back and edit something after you've written something and maybe in that time you can have a trusted friend read it maybe another trusted friend as many eyes as you can get on it that will really help you get some perspective
0: on your work. And now, a reading from City Under One Roof.
1: So I'm going to read an excerpt from Chapter 7, because it's from Lonnie the Mad Hatter's point of view, which I really think is fun. This point in the story, our protagonist, Detective Carrie Kennedy, has arrived And she's investigating this crime, but then an avalanche closes the tunnels. So essentially, she's trapped here in the city. And one of the characters here is Chief Sipley. There's only two officers, and he's one of them. Lonnie made her way hurriedly down the hallway with her rubber boots squeaking on the polished floor. Squick, squack, squick, squack. She looked through the glass doors and saw snow flying around like clothes in a washing machine. There's a storm outside. Blast, gale, blizzard, gust, squall. There's a storm outside. She stormed down the hallway and burst open the door. Chief sat at his desk, thinking or meditating, or maybe he was napping. He opened his eyes. What is it, Lonnie? Chief asked. How long is that lady going to stay? Chief took his feet off the desk. I suppose until the tunnel reopens. I don't like it. I don't like it. She needs to be gone. I know she's talking about me, watching me. People are always watching me. Lonnie wasn't sure sometimes whether she was actually saying her words out loud or in her mind. Now, Lonnie, Miss Kennedy's investigating those body parts, so you stay out of her hair. Understand? She won't take me away, will she? I'm not going. I won't go back. Lonnie was adamant. She wasn't going back to the Institute. That's where she got backhanded. They found a hand on the beach. They found a hand on the beach, Lonnie said out loud. Chief looked at her, worried. He rubbed his forehead with his palm, something he always did when he was troubled. Now, Lonnie, the way I see things, without a whole body, there's not even a homicide. When the tunnel reopens, things will all go back to normal. You'll see. Now you just keep your trap shut. Don't talk to her. Don't ask her any questions. Don't answer any questions. You don't want to end up back at the Institute, do you? Watch what you say. Watch what you do. People were always watching her. I don't like it. I don't like it, Lonnie said, shaking her head while looking at the floor. Well, if you don't like it, you do as I told, understand? Loathe, displeasure, irritation, vexation, aversion, antagonism. All the words Lonnie felt were building inside her, ready to erupt. Where's Denny? Chief asked, suddenly changing the subject. Remember how he escaped last time? He's in the barn. Why don't you make sure he's okay? Chief got up and led Lonnie towards the door. You don't want the wolves to get to him. Lonnie nodded her head. She had to take care of Denny. The wolves are coming. Lonnie needed to make sure the doors to the pen were locked, closed, sealed, cinched, fastened. The wolves were coming. Ow! She let out a howl.
0: The Write Process is hosted and curated by me, Charlie Jensen. This season was produced by Jamie Moss. The Writers Program offers courses, certificates, and services that help writers achieve their writing goals one page at a time. For more information, visit writers.uclaextension.edu.